his quarters. No, you didn't even say hi, Jeremy. Should we start with okay? But the, okay, hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. <laughs> hi, audience. Woo! A big audience here. <laughs> it's overwhelming. The fan support. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a few women here. Yeah, well, of course, uh, all of our groupies are here um, to talk today about. We're going to talk about reproductive rights. We don't normally talk, talk, jump right into the topic, but you did just cut, get off a plane, and I yeah, let's get I, to it. Cut to the chase. We're just going to yeah. cut straight to the chase because this is yeah. a super short episode because you're late. We were supposed to do an hour. But we're going to do, what, 15 minutes? It's not your fault. It's KLM, right? <laughs> yeah, they reproduce things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what is, uh, let's talk about reproductive rights. So it's been on my mind in a big way because I'm of a certain age. Um, and Makes me think of China where you don't have the right to reproduce <laughs> just one no, specimen. No, you can now. You can. You, okay. can, you yeah. can definitely have children now. But I'm... It's pretty a, crazy that someone decides how many kids you have. But this topic didn't come from us. It came from a audience member who doesn't even know... <laughs> What a podcast from Lori Adelman. So thank you, Lori, for sharing this podcast topic. But uh, it's important to me because I have a partner and she's of an age where everyone is asking her, hey, so when are you going to have kids? But we actually can't have children. I don't think she minds that I'm saying that on a podcast. It's a personal thing. But it's like the social pressure right now in my life is like tremendous. Yeah, I have the same thing where in Amsterdam, all my friends have kids and then some ask, oh, you're going to have kids? I'm like, no, probably not. I like the way things are. And like, okay. And some people are like, really? But you'd be such a good dad. And then they try to do this whole convincing thing. And I think if you're on the fence about having kids, should you try to convince someone? <laughs> and then reluctantly you have kids. You're like, oh, man, this is not for me. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the, the, I just read recently, it's the worst thing you can do for the planet is have a ch child. It's like, up the, it's like flying. But what if your child discovers nuclear fusion and solves This is the, the argument everyone keeps yeah. bringing to me. They're always like, oh, well, you know, Jeremy, you would be a great father, which also I think is just like a terrible assumption. But well, I, think, <laughs> I think we both get up early, so they think we would be a good dad. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think if you have a friend who's still really into partying at age 40, nobody's like, yeah, kids are great for you. <laughs> but at the, I mean, at the end of the day, what I've noticed is that it's not really about me, and in, at least in my, with my partner, with Kristen, it's been like very, it's created a lot of anxiety for her because she's trying to pursue a career right now. And so we actually like, I mean, in my career as an artist and you too, I think you take a lot of what you're experiencing day to day and you bring it into your practice. And for us, we decided to make an artwork about reproduction uh, by, we created a, like a startup uh, which allows you to be virtually pregnant. Uh, it's called Paterna. And we took, we like scanned her body in 3D and then we made her pregnant. I think I've told you about this before, right, Raph? And then, <laughs> and then the idea is like anyone could be pregnant, but of course they, they get to be pregnant as Kristen, my partner, which has really been fun because we've toured that around a few places. And it's been interesting to see how other women react in this context. Some absolutely like appalled that this even exists, even though it's satirical. Some like just like scared to see what it would be like. And then of course they get inside and it's really problematic because they're inside a white woman's body. And, we're, talking, and we're saying like, this is the universal body. And yeah. She's a teacher, and she's actually not allowed to share her uh, body or naked body, uh, like as part of her teacher's sort of uh, code of conduct. And so, anyway, we've entered into all of these politics around reproduction and body, and and because she's a teacher, like reproducing 
children's knowledge. Anyway, like it's been really, really fascinating. But uh, I wondered if you and Christina had had similar pressure and whether that affected your art career. Mm. I don't care too much what people think, so that, I think that helps. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's so, generally the difference between you and I. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's part of it. But uh, my goal really is to travel all the time and uh, be at the beach all the time and mm -hmm. go to nice places. So it seems a lot easier without kids. I think that's the, the hmm. logic I have. Right. So like one of the things that we that I, I talk about often outside of, of the podcast, you and I haven't talked about that much, but when you make the choice to become an artist full time, you kind of have there's kind of like a decision, it's like a silent conversation that happens where you're like, well, this of course means I'll never have a family. And there are a bunch of other yeah. things that you say you'll never do. I, yeah, like, that's a good point because I, a lot of friends, there's a lot of net artist couples that mm -hmm. now have a lot of kids. So there was a moment in Barcelona I think in the late 90s, and there was Jody and the Mates, and you had Exonimo in Japan, and you had Uber Morgan, and you had another couple from Austria. They were all new media couples, kind of punk, kind of squatter, but all boy and girl couple. Mm -hmm. And at some point now, they all have kids, and all my friends who have regular jobs, whenever kids came into their life, it was a lot of fun because for the first time, yeah. they get to be a kid again. Yeah. But for these artists, all of a sudden, I heard them complaining so much, and it was so difficult. It's very different from people with a regular job. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I guess I... they gave up a lot of freedom. I Maybe do have that's... a regular job, and I do yeah. work with quite a few people that have had children. And we should say also, like, probably that's one, you know, kind of family that's the hegemonic family, man, woman, but there are other alternatives, of course. But just speaking from my own perspective... Um, and knowing other artists, so old-fashioned. Yeah, <laughs> having, yeah, <laughs> having some kind of like stereotypical nuclear family, uh, in the, at least in my design career, because I also work uh, just so the audience knows as a creative director. A lot of people, like as soon as they get, it's been really, really interesting. I've hired a lot of people, and they get like a jump in income because it's tech, right? And so tech pays well. Um, anyone who works here in tech knows that they get paid a little bit more than they did in whatever they were doing before that. And so the immediate instinct is to have children <laughs> because it's like, oh, now I can get paid uh, and, and, and I won't have to worry that the child will die, basically. It's like this like, immediate thing, like, ah, oh, I can relax. And so usually I've noticed within a year of hiring anyone, whether man, woman, queer, non-queer, there's some kind of family unit emerges after a year of... Uh, being inside of my team. Being safe. Yeah, being safe. And I created, yeah. I, I work very hard and to create And then all of a sudden, Jeremy has the review talk. He's like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're not as cool as we thought you were. Oh well, well, the thing that I know, that's not how it goes. But I try and create, <laughs> I do try and create a safe environment. And But then I've had to sacrifice, uh, have, I, well, I haven't had to sacrifice, I shouldn't say that. But I haven't felt like I have the same opportunity because I chose, like, art as a child. And I don't know if very many uh, artists are, are as honest about that as possible as they are. Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. So, but it's a, it, like, it goes through your head. It's head almost like a, a religious uh, occupation where you're so busy and you're so devout that you can't have a family of your own. You, yeah. you've, you've married your deity and your deity is art. But I think, like, one of the things, and I don't know if this is why this topic was suggested, um, because if you take it out of the biological, and an artist, you know, you get back in, into the artist's mind, you might, a lot of artists might think about, or you might have heard this, like, kind of concept that my work is my baby. <laughs> well, you're <laughs> making like, stuff, right? So yeah. You, it is, in a sense, you get the same satisfaction that maybe somebody else in the, raising a, a child and uh, 
that's a very creative process. So maybe you're fulfilling that already. Yeah, and generally when you have like a new idea, you put a new concept out into the world, it's fragile, it's like, you're not even really that certain of it. Like a lot of artists, uh, you know, when you first start a new series of work, you're like, this is, I'm not really sure if this is going to work. Are people going to like it? Kind of like a child, like, is my baby going to be ugly? Are people uh, going to like them? I, I spoke to some artists though that they think having a child felt so grand that after that the work just kind of seems like, uh, let's just do it. Normally you would tell yeah. me something like that's so cliche, I think. <laughs> but it's some, what some artists told me it's like yeah. this is such a big thing and then everything else is uh, much less important so I heard recently that um, and we'll hand it over to the audience in a second but the average artist only gets uh, two or sorry not the average artist but now I'm, that's kind of a Freudian slip the average parent only gets two hours of sleep a night for the first three years is this true? has anyone else heard this? that can't be true <laughs> I think you die if you have that yeah. little sleep no, because of ret, like maybe they get one REM cycle. I think. Okay. During that first year, apparently that's not true. Okay, it's, it doesn't it doesn't hold up in the live But uh, I only got two hours of sleep this week, so <laughs> I was traveling to Germany. That helps your radio voice. So we're gonna try a little experiment here. We're we're gonna ask the audience for a question or comment. Is I just have a, I have a comment. Okay, let me turn the mic toward. And I'm I guess I should like I should introduce myself and stuff. Yeah, yeah, Hi, I'm Spike. Um, I am a career cartoonist. I am 38 years old, so I'm very quickly sort of approaching. Yeah, we're I'm approaching that point where the window of opportunity is closing. If I'm going to you know talk biologically speaking, not you know adoption or anything like that. And um, I am one of those people that has for a very long time had the belief that the kind of people who should be having children are the kind of people, we probably all know at least one person like this, like a person who buys baby clothes and there is no baby. They just like really like the baby clothes and they can picture it on a baby. <laughs> and they, I mean, a perfect example, uh, the husband of a friend would bring like Sears and Gap catalogs to his wife and be all like, look at the adorable children in here. You see this one? If this was my son, I would name him this. Mm -hmm. And I bet he would like fishing, like he would make up stories about the children in the Sears catalog. He was so pre-programmed to be a father. And is this a and creative person? I'm just curious. He is it? not, he is not a creative person. And the thing that, that sort of like has, significantly affected my view of who should be having children, people who can dedicate a lot of time and not just because they can, because they desperately want to. These are people who very much want the burden of being a parent. They want to surrender 18 years of autonomy. They are raring to go, they're begging for the chance. Those should be the parents in our society. And I'm a person who has never felt that way. I have never felt anything stronger than ambivalence when it comes to parenthood. The one thing I was absolutely sure I wanted like when I was <laughs> when I was a kid, what I absolutely was sure I wanted was a dog. I really wanted a dog, and the, you know the first thing I did when I moved away from home, I got myself a dog. And I it was a person who was raised by I would call them a disinterested mother. I was I, I was very much an obligation. Like my father wanted children, and my mom was like, okay, let's what let's do it, whatever, and. I know what it's like to be raised by someone who, you know, eh, is kind of like not really feeling it. And that's really colored my, my opinion of things. And I always used to put it off and say, you know what, I'll decide when I'm 35, I'll decide when I'm 36, but I've never felt strongly about it. And at this point now, I'm, a I'm at a place in my career where 
I've just spent five weeks on the road. I was in Seattle, and then I was in Washington, D.C., and then I was in Leeds in England, and now I've been in New York for 11 days. And these are things that could not happen if I had a child. And I get these emails from people going, will you speak at our college? Will you come visit our Comic-Con in Finland? And Couldn't they come along with you? Like... I wouldn't want to bring an infant to a comic book convention. Oh, I wouldn't want to bring... Be like a little sidekick. And while I think if I saw that, if I saw that, I'd be super into it. Like a woman who was like attachment parenting her child around the world, that would fucking it's kick very ass. It's for me as an artist when yeah. I go to like, you know, like to open yeah. stuff. And you mentioned a few of our friends that have had children and there's yeah. like a three-year-old toddler at the opening. You're always like, whoa, they just changed the game. How are they doing yeah. it? Yeah. They've got it all. They're doing the show. It's their opening. I love that, and I absolutely love that, but simultaneously, it's not just my disinterest that has been a factor, but I am a person who is mildly terrified of the prospect of having a child who would require more care than other children, and I I just wonder how good a parent I would be to, say, a kid that had learning difficulties or a kid who had physical difficulties, and, like, I can barely bring myself to consider the prospect of a standard issue child. Yeah, well, my thing is, like, just generally, I don't know how you feel about this, Raphael. Thank you, Spike. No uh, is that you could, like, be a big brother or a big sister to try it out. Yeah. And uh, you could probably help in the community, and that's one thing that but I... I don't know. want to! Well, there we go. So we get it. We get it. We got the yeah. truth out. I don't, it's like... <laughs> the, the malaise of child... Like, of the romantic children. idea mm-hmm. of a child is appealing in its most sort of rosy-tinted and yeah. green gables. Isn't it wonderful to have a little creature that smiles at you and calls you mama thing? But, like, that thing shits its pants. Yeah, there's a certain... <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of narcissism. It's true. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be down for that. I don't know if I'd be down with, you know, I hate you, mom, slam the door in my face. I don't know if I'd be down with if I could borrow the car. Like, what the fuck is college going to cost in 18 years? Oh, my God. And it's there's just a lot of stuff that okay, goes along with it. I'm not Lots kidding. of reasons not yeah. to like Lots. children. <laughs> Lots. <laughs> Lots. Uh, Raphael, do you have anything to say about what Spike just said? No, let's go to the next question. Okay, we have another, we have, we have another, we have another audience question or com- pithy comment. <laughs> So I, I have an interesting thing. So hey, Stephanie, um, I have one child. I was out to dinner with a bunch of um, women about a year ago who are, uh, it was a friend's 50th birthday. Um, everyone at the table was an artist or a curator or a producer. Um, and everyone was either approaching 50 or just past 50, except for me. Um, and one of the women at the table was like, uh, you're not going to have a second child, right? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a second child. And she was, and she, I'm not kidding you, she got the whole table to, to spend 30 minutes yelling at me and telling me how irresponsible it was to have a second child. It was a fascinating conversation because I had to spend, similar to what you were describing, um, I had to spend 30 minutes giving a zillion reasons why I thought it was important to have another child. And this, this gets to me the question about uh, reproductive rights. I was like, well, it's my right. I started there. I was like, it's my right to have a kid. And then they're like, but it's horribly environmentally irresponsible. I was like, yeah, sure, but... And then you start to feel like an asshole. Um, and it's fascinating because you hear these conversations all the time about um, like people being badgered into having one kid, and I was being badgered into having less kids. So I wanted to add that to the combo. Yeah, that's, really, that's really interesting. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, badgered into having less kids. <laughs> I think this is such a personal decision that you shouldn't listen to other people. Well, uh, one thing I thought we could pivot around is like reproductive rights. We've talked about like 
okay, people pressuring you maybe not to have children or to have children. But then once the child or once a child exists, but it's, it's, it's a bit. This, well, I there's get so it. many things you get pressured into in your life. Like people will tell you, oh, it's good to purchase a home. Oh, you should try cigarettes. They're really good. <laughs> oh, you should try wine. There's all kinds of stuff you That's get pressured true. into. So you should have some resistance. You shouldn't just yeah. let any suggestion be like, oh, sounds good. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, uh, one, one of the issues that comes up, and if, like, you know, our podcast is often about technology and culture uh, and new media, is that, like, once you've had the child, like, the thing that keeps coming up, or I'm asking parents about when I meet them, is, like, whether or not they should upload pictures of their baby to social media. And this, like, what about the rights of this child that hasn't yet decided how they want to be, uh, how they want to exist online or on the internet? I wonder, actually, I wonder if anyone from our audience, Stephanie, do you share pictures? <laughs> Do you share pictures of your... Uh, only on my private Instagram account. So she said she only shares them on her private Instagram account. Okay, but I see a lot of baby pictures in my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed, and I, yeah. I worry a little bit for those kids, like, or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they don't, who cares, right? I have no idea. I'm, I'm very happy that I grew up before the, the network. And we talked about it on a previous episode, though, that yeah. the suicide rate among, like, kids with smartphones is 50%, like, higher than the previous generation. <laughs> and that, like, all of these, like, Ouch. yeah, yeah, the so-called iGen, and there's this new, new book out about it. And th there was a big New York Times profile uh, or editorial this week about teen depression and social it's, it's media. It's so funny when she came up with the topic and she just said reproduction, I immediately thought about, oh, zines and photographs and... And that's the what network we're to be and about. websites, <laughs> and that's why I chose to become a net artist, and now it's all baby talk. But I, I don't have so much to add to the, the, the baby well, maybe talk. Like, I think it's very personal. But People like, should do good, what they feel like. That's a good point. Like, okay, let's bring up the suggested. Yeah. <laughs> we, took, we just took her at, at the abstract. I'm always in favor of talking about aesthetics. That's my thing. Well, I think yeah. we're actually not that far from talking about sex, and that might be my good point today when we get to it. But let's, uh, let's ask... Uh, now, what was your name? I forgot. Lori. Let's ask Lori what she meant by the topic. So, I actually shared and suggested a topic of reproduction broadly, imagining that you would go to the, the place that you envisioned. And we had been talking previously about like Instagram, specifically like Instagrammable things. And like, I really, you know, like spent a large portion of my time like consuming memes. So, I thought we would <laughs> probably get there at some point, uh, which we haven't. I find babies to be bad content in general Interesting. is my that's my take Elaborate. I, I don't well, care about the baby's privacy puppies are, much more puppies are better Any, there's a lot of better things than like your baby sitting up like I, I just feel like that's fundamentally uninteresting to me um, but even if I really care about you it, it, it's interesting because I think a lot of uh, photo sharing things were for sharing with a larger community. Mm -hmm. And Apple kind of took the approach of like, you can share your photo stream with three people. Yeah. And so I think that's the family sharing way. And yeah. then, and then the, the, the vanity, funny meme, look, I'm having a cool vacation thing, that's more for the public. But I just yeah. think it's funny that the language you used was meme, which is a cultural gene, right? right. And so if you think about that, it's a reproduction in the physical sense and babies, <laughs> like a meme, if that's what you're consuming is like, the, di the like, digital form digital. of a child baby. or yes, baby. Yes, yeah. okay, so that's why I came, that was the comment I came to make. Um, who saw Mother? I saw Mother, yes, the most polarizing film. Most polarizing film. So <laughs> my take on this film, which um, if you haven't seen it, I'm not gonna try to sum it up for you. It's not sum upable. <laughs> okay. see watching? it. Fine, sure, worth watching just to like be part of this convo probably. <laughs> um, 
but I'm going to spoil it. Yeah, well, I don't think there's much of a spoiler. There, there's just one spoiler. Oh, I get it. I know yeah, what I'm going to say. So this is about an artist. It's about an artist living in a house um, with his wife and a male artist. And the wife, um, they, they have a baby. And basically, the artist played by Javier Bardem. Um, he, had tr he, he creates his own masterpiece. And he's like God, right? Isn't he like yeah, God? like allegorically, he's like God or whatever. But so <laughs> basically he creates like an artistic masterpiece around the same time as his wife, played by Jennifer Lawrence, has a baby. And there's essentially laid out like a choice, like the, this baby's survival or like this artist's attachment to his work. I'm vastly oversimplifying how this is represented. Um, cinematically, but I thought it was very um, depressing and cynical in the way that it unfolded because essentially like the, ma the, the masses who would be consuming the art like rip the baby to shreds and eat it. And I think so spoiler that, alert, the baby died. Spoiler alert, the baby Yeah, I, 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 I guess. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. literally gets eaten. Like it gets it consumed. Happens. I mean, certainly there's like no, like they do not hold back at all in this film. Like yeah. it's like over it's the not top. Subtle. Yeah, there's no subtlety. So there's no point. I wanted to bring that up. I found it like very, <laughs> I found it very interesting. Like as a woman of reproductive age who was like interested in like my my work. I don't mm. specifically work in art, but I yeah. find it to be a creative process to do what I do. And you know, I think that like. There is some, a lot of times, not just a choice in your own life, okay, am I gonna have a baby and like how am I gonna balance that with my work? But like, I think that dynamics with your partner and like your partner in work or your partner in, in home life, like it's just so, um, it's so fraught. Yeah, actually like you're, you're, I'm nodding violently in my, in my thinking because uh, <laughs> my relationship with my partner, she was an artist and then she like, I kind of, she'll tell you that I, I like, I kind of ruined it for her because she saw that I was like a little bit more her senior and that like there were so many compromises that you had to make and that I said yes to so many things similar to in Mother like Javier Bardem is like yes of course I have to help yeah and it's like I can't say no and Raphael's probably thinking I know you're going to jump in now and say of course you can say no Jeremy like Raphael's the perfect person no I was just listening it's funny on our podcast when it's the two of us I interrupt you all the time but here for some in person it's very different yeah for some reason you're not interrupting me today yeah but um but I've, I've, you, you can say no, but I think it's a good point. Which uh, is, Gerhard Richter, the, the painter, yeah. he had a big painting of the word no next to his phone in his studio. <laughs> so he would know whenever the phone would ring, just the, the default is, yeah. Because, it, it, and this is funny, maybe also with the baby story. I, I think there's tons of examples of artists doing really well with kids, and there's examples of artists not, no longer interested in art after they have kids. I don't think there's a golden rule. But there is something about an artist that you have an inner voice that you have already when you're born and you have an interest and you have an inclination. I like these things, I like those things. And then the whole world is bothering you your whole life. So you're basically fencing off the world all the time. And so for a lot of people for whom life is already too much and they have to set aside time for art, then I imagine having the responsibility of children 
is a threat to that inner voice? Maybe. I, I don't know. Or maybe it can be inspiring walking around with a kid and seeing everything in a new way. I thought you were going to say, like, uh, we'll, we'll hand it over to the audience again in a sec, but I thought you were going to say, like, when you create a new series of work, you know, that saying no to the phone is like saying no to being accountable to a project, which is in, in well, maybe, essence like a maybe responsibility. being able to say no. Yeah, I mean, I, I like not having too many responsibilities. Well, no, like, so. but formerly, like, we'd have a farm and we'd have children so that they could, like, produce money for yeah. it. Like, they could, like... Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, no, no, like, no, that, that's how my father grew up. That's, yeah, like, that's you, not had, a joke. you yeah. had kids because the labor no, that you it, needed to run he, the farm. He grew right? up in a family of 16 children, and it's it's... We always think of like, oh, I can't afford to have a kid. And they thought, yeah, each kid, <laughs> the company gets bigger with no expense. Well, my parents yeah. employed me. Like my first job was for my parents who ran a small business and all five of their children. So I think that they were maybe thinking this way, too, because they yeah. had five children. So very unusual. Yeah. It was just so that they could run an advertising. No agency. minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my dad, yeah, he ran an agency. So we have another comment from the audience. Who do we have? Sophie. Hi, I'm Sophie. I just wanted to say that I think that by the time people become of an age where they are starting to think about children, a lot of times if they have not been financially successful as artists, they are then choosing potentially another path that mm -hmm. also takes away from doing the art that may have nothing to do with having children at all. It's just that the children age happens at the time where you're like, oh shit, I have to buy a house yeah. or do whatever you do as you get older. Or I just don't want to be broke anymore. I don't want to have eight roommates or I want to own a car or all the things that make people have jobs and not do art. Yeah, there's, a, uh, there's a magazine in sort of the creative industry that focuses on comics a lot called Devastator. And Devastator does a lot of polls. And one of the polls that I believe Devastator did was comics has an amazingly high churn rate. A lot of people just plain drop out of comics for other things. Mm -hmm. And the age where people who end up not making it professionally in comics call it quits is their mid-early 30s. And the most common reason given is the one Sophie was just talking about. These are people who have been slogging it through their 20s mm -hmm. and now they're hitting between 30 and 37 and they look up and they go, I need to find something else because I want to have a child, I want to have a house, and I want to be self-supporting. And if I keep doing this, it's not going to happen. And a lot of times, or most of the time, if you want to choose a, a different path rather than art and have a job like you, Jeremy, you said you're a creative director. I imagine that takes mm -hmm. a tremendous amount of energy to be successful as a creative director, as well as being an artist. And if you want to have a day job that can support your lifestyle, you probably are going to be spending time on that like actual time on it. It's not going to be a throwaway job that you aren't going to be mentally consumed by. Yeah, I mean, you could do a bad job. Certainly, like, you know, I have societal privilege. I was, like, raised into that, like, privilege. And so, like... It's think, almost like you were from a guild and, like, a family of bakers. Yeah, like I said, I was in an agency. So it was always... It's actually, like, I should just, like... I'll just outright say it was very easy for me. I just started calling myself a creative director at a certain age. I think I've talked about that. And, and then I got, that's how I got a job as a creative director, yeah. And privileges connection to art is something that's definitely worth talking about. Like mm -hmm. being able to create art specifically is a privilege. Yeah. But I think you were both making a really good point. As I was speaking to a curator recently and she is in a polyamorous kind of relationship and like open relationship, which is very common among artists because we're like creative free thinkers. And that in the twenty in your twenties especially, 
there's a lot of people that experimented with different relationship formats. Not that there's some like people are like, what are you talking about, Jeremy? In the audience, <laughs> believe me, in, the, in, in art school, people are looking around like, who who's the? I, there's actually two professors. I went to Syracuse University, and like two of the professors there had one of their students in their relationship <laughs> while, they, while they were teachers, which was really weird. And then they had a baby. Anyway, it was like, <laughs> it was messy. Uh, yeah. And they're very interesting people. They're great artists in a way. Like, so they're experimental at every facet. But the average artist uh, doesn't get gallery representation until they're 37. And so there is this gap between 27 and 37 of economic precarity. And that also, you know, yeah, it happens to coincide with reproductive age. Uh, and so people end up in this weird position. Anyway, my friend who I was talking to, uh, yesterday uh, or the day before, she was in a similar situation where, you know, her partner was in. Uh, well, I shouldn't get too. Dis- I always make the mistake of giving too much personal detail. Now we're into really. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and then people are like sending me Facebook messages like, Jerry, why did you talk about my you know problem on the air? <laughs> so anyway, I'm not going to give you too much more detail about these people, except that one wanted to continue the to thrive as an artist and have an open relationship. And like, that was part of what they considered to be their creative production. And the other was like, no, like, this is what I want. I want to have a child. And so that they, they were in this position where they yeah. couldn't reconcile that. Yeah, it, I, I think the hardest thing with a kid is a, it's like a door. And once you go through the door, the door doesn't, is, is, is gone. So you, but neither you're in the us, other room. So we don't know anything about this. Though. Yeah, yeah. But what I mean is, <laughs> as long as you don't have a kid, you'll never know what it's like. And once you have a kid, you can't go back. So. And also, but we're two men, so we can never really have children, right? We just get to like... No, but you become a parent. Responsible, and I think I you would not abandon the child. So hmm. I, I assume. You assume. <laughs> but I but what, I, what I'm saying is, uh, for anyone, even not artists, it's just... Uh, yeah. You never know until you have one. Okay, well, maybe that's our good point for today because I think dinner is going to be served <laughs> soon. And I want to thank our audience. Now, we normally do a field recording. I actually put aside uh, a field recording. So for the our new audience here live in the studio at Kickstarter, uh, we ask our listeners to send in recordings from the world around them just to listen to the world because this is a podcast. We're listening, and uh, the world around us is full of, like, things to listen to as well. And so this week we have Paul Esposito who sent us uh, a field recording. I'll read a little bit about what he sent in. My partner and I were moving from Chicago to LA this summer and we stopped at some national and state parks along the way. While driving through Southern Utah, we saw a sign for the Coral Pink Sand Dune State Park. We could also see part of the cloudy sky and it had a pinkish aura. Wow, there's so much description here in the distance, which turned out to be a reflection of the sand on the clouds. Okay, the dunes are amazing, especially being immersed in that intensely orange pink color. And the looking at the plants, <laughs> there is a super weathered plastic bottle there. Anyway, so Paul said a lot about this. He, he, it's a field recording of the desert. Thank you, Paul, for sending this in. And, uh, Thank you very much. It's so funny to end this reproductive episode with a field recording about the desert, with... the most barren, yeah. like lifeless. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we end with a cheer and then mix in the, the field recordings. So okay. We want to hear from our audience. Yeah, thanks, everyone. <laughs> Now let's all get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. <laughs> 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 <laughs>